Hi folks and welcome back. It's episode 7 of Campbell Conversations with your host Colin Campbell and today I'm joined by Johnny Iannotti. Johnny is a close personal friend of mine for a number of years and works as an accountant at one of the big four accountancy firms in the UK. Johnny's in his trainee stages, so he is still sitting his ICAS exams, which means that alongside his working week of 40 hours, he also has a number of hours of private study in order to work towards his important qualifications. Alongside all this, Johnny has a passion for fitness, much like myself, and tries to get in the best physical possible shape. Today, we explore how Johnny does this from a time management perspective, how he builds in his training, his nutrition, and all the different considerations which you have to have when you have both a physique goal, but also a goal with regards to progressing your career long-term. Hopefully you enjoy this one. I certainly did. And I look forward to all your feedback. Yes, people, hello and welcome to an episode of Cambro Conversations, the business and fitness podcast. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Johnny Iannotti. Johnny is a trainee chartered accountant with one of the big four accountancy firms. And just like myself, he works in a career which he cares a lot about. He's working hard to progress in. It's got a balance between working hours, professional qualifications and studying towards those outside of that, but also a passion for fitness as well. And just like everyone else, he wants to be in the best possible shape when he goes on holiday. He's done that a few times. We've been on a couple of holidays together and we'll, we'll touch on those as well. And it's just a good opportunity to have somebody else on here that can speak from their experience about how you can work in a nine five and still work towards your fitness goals. Johnny, welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, Fairly new to this podcasting game, but I think it would only be polite to start with a bit of an introduction yeah. to to yourself. Tell us a bit about yourself, then, Johnny. Um, so, in terms of training, probably been training for about seven or eight years. Um, first started for rugby, and then quickly realised that preferred training over rugby. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first three or four years, obviously training well at school and university, and then. Obviously, started working nine to five, which makes things a bit more difficult. Yeah, of course. As you know. And so, when did you join? Um, kind of finished uni, what, 2017, is that right? So, um, yeah, June 2017. So, now I've been working for coming up for 18 months, two years. Yeah. And one of the big things that I know from our conversations outside of this is you, there's a lot of focus as a training accountant to work towards your professional qualifications and there's yeah. some support for that through work but quite a big onus on your time yeah for that. sure for sure how many kind of hours a week are you prescribing to study and working towards your qualifications uh, it runs on a cycle so you spend time where you're just working not studying but then there's periods where you're doing a lot of revision so i'd say probably half the training contract you're not really you don't have much of a commitment in terms of revision then the other half you've got a big commitment in terms of revision so in the half where you've got revision to do you're probably looking at a 40 hour work week plus maybe 10 to 15 hours a week extra yeah 
So that might start at five to 10 hours when you're far away from an exam and then progress up to like maybe an extra 20 hours a week close to the exam. So yeah, of course it can get quite, quite a lot. And how does that contrast to when you studied at uni? I know you and I both went to yeah. Glasgow uni, did very different degrees. You doing a, an accountancy degree. Yeah. How does that contrast with the amount of time that you had to yeah. work towards your fitness, which I know has been important to you, like you say, seven, eight years of actually yeah. lifting weights? Yeah. Um, at university, I probably had about 10 to 15 hours of contact time, which I would normally probably go to about eight to 10 hours of that, yeah. quite, quite often in this class. Yeah. Normally to train at a time that I prefer training at. Yeah. Um, and then self-study pretty minimal until exams. So I would say you're looking at four weeks a year of 40 hours of revision a week. And then the rest of the year, almost minimal. Yes. 10 hours a week. Going to a few lectures, going to a few seminars. Yeah. But just training, yeah. eating how you want yeah, to and managing much. yourself. Yeah. Training six days a week, like one hour, one and a half hours yeah. per session. You can obviously eat whenever you want. But I think the lack of routine does make it difficult at times. Yeah. But there definitely is a few advantages to when you're in work, but most of them are. Yeah, that's interesting. Are cons. I would. I was very much the same at uni, and the type like my contact time was minimal, like yours. I would go to the mall because it was so minimal. I think it was six hours in the last two years I was in per week, and there was some study outside that so that you could come prepared to those hours. But ultimately, you had so much time. It's it's crazy to think yeah. how much time you had and how little stress for most of the year you had. Yeah. Whereas if you compare that to work for myself, definitely, and I imagine work for you where there is an yeah. expectation to work towards your qualification in, yeah, the, sure. in a set period. Yeah. And when we're talking about that time element for, for those that are moving from university into a graduate job or even those that are leaving school and going into full-time work for the first time yeah. t- time is 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 precious yeah and you've spoken there that you you previously trained six days a week it was bodybuilding style training mostly yeah so push pull legs largely um i've done a, a variety so i've done upper lower three times a week i've done push pull legs yeah. twice a week i've done full body four days a week yep so i've, I've, I've tried them all to be fair but at university, five or six days a week was, was pretty average. Standard, yeah. yeah. And I appreciate that for anyone listening that doesn't know Johnny, Johnny's in, is in excellent shape and a lot of the muscle mass that he's built will have come from that period of training. Yeah. However, that's not to say that now that he works full time that he can't still make progress or maintain or improve yeah. slightly in, in the areas that he has. What would you say are the main things that you've had to change with regards to training when considering your work commitments, your study commitments, your social life as well? Because yeah. at uni, your social life's huge and it probably takes up a percentage of that. Yeah. But what, what, what's changed in the training aspect for starters? Um, probably just frequency would be the main thing. Obviously, if you're working nine to five and then studying five to seven, three nights a week after work, then don't really want to be is that how you structure it then three nights yeah so same monday to friday i would say i'm gonna study on tuesday and thursday after work 
and I would assign those as non-training days. Yeah. And then I would assign Monday, Wednesday, Friday as training days. Yeah. And then you might train once or twice the weekend, taking you up to four or five yeah. sessions per week compared to... And your program is structured according to that. Yeah, of course, yeah. So obviously most of your most of the listeners will probably know that two times frequency per muscle group per week is a ideal, a pretty base requirement. Um, so obviously if I was training four times a week, I wouldn't be doing push pull legs just because you wouldn't be getting frequency per per muscle group. So when training four days a week in the past, I've done upper lower, and then if doing three days a week, either full body three times a week or potentially like two uppers and a lower. Yeah. Depending on kind of what, what you're focusing on. on exactly. That's really interesting. And I think, I think you and I both had an attachment to that push pull leg yeah. split because when Johnny and I were really getting into the kind of aesthetic side of training, Johnny's come from a similar background with training through rugby. So strength training, conditioning, yeah. and ultimately finding that, the rugby side of things was great, but you started to fall more in love with the process of improving your body and seeing the changes aesthetically. And push-pull legs was what everyone that knew what they were doing was doing. There was a lot of guys doing the bro split, which for those that haven't heard of that, it's like training one muscle group individually each day per week. But typically, those that saw the best results around the period when Johnny and I were getting really seriously into like our fitness and our our, our, our physique improvements push pull legs was the go-to and to move away from that I think was something that work almost forced you to do because yeah, yeah. because time time is of the is a, is a real value and it's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit more limited now if we go into nutrition because we've said there when you're at uni you've got so much time and this is the same for a lot of us when you're working, there's less time to maybe cook meals from scratch at, yeah. uh, at set periods. Maybe you're having to grab something quickly at your desk. Yeah. Maybe you're going out to either colleague or client meals. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, an emphasis on that. What was the change in approach that you've taken towards your nutrition? And let's focus on like main meals just now, and then we can maybe talk about yeah, office politics and pressure. Yeah, I would say the main thing would be meals have become more structured when I started working. The fact that you're very regimented in a sense that you get up at half past seven, have breakfast, get to work for nine, work from nine till half past twelve, take your lunch out from half past twelve till half past one. Yeah, work until five, eat a meal, train at six. Yeah, get home from the gym at seven, shower eight meal at half eight and then go to bed yeah whereas at university sometimes you're not getting up as early sometimes you're going out at night so just generally less structured meals at university yeah. i'd say and maybe less time particularly in my experience to like make something so at lunchtime if you're at the library obviously it's different but if you yeah. were studying at home or even just not studying at all yeah you'd be you'd just be at home and you'd be able to just cook something up in the kitchen whereas with work you're either you've probably got a couple options you can you can certainly go out for for lunch you can bring something in yeah but there's not the option to probably start from like 
cooking lots of different things up in the yeah. in the kitchen. So there's that preparation side of things. I think when we've spoken about this, it's a little bit different in your office where there's some the canteen, the canteen and there's yeah. some support around that. Um, for those that have got a canteen, this might be a useful insight from Johnny about what he does with respect to the food choices that he makes around yeah. lunchtime. Would go into yeah. that a wee bit? Yeah, so in terms of, um, I'll go back to what you said earlier. Um, at university, I would make meals fresh all the time, whereas with less, when you're working, you've obviously got less time to cook. So I would normally batch cook. I'd make four or five portions of a relatively nutritious meal and have that over two or three days and then batch cook again. Yeah. That way you're saving time by batch cooking. But you're Sunday not, meal prep, but, is that the... Is that I was going to say, but you're not cooking at all for a week in advance. Yeah. So the meal's still quite fresh, Yeah. which is good. Um, so yeah, my work's got a canteen and we get a lunch lounge every single day. So Brilliant. it's silly, silly not to use it. Um, so you've got your standard like one or two hot options, a vegetarian option. You've always got baked potatoes with hot fillings, right. beans, cheese, tuna, etc. So probably nine days out of 10, I would just get a baked potato with either the hot filling, which could be like a chili con carne or a bolognese, or I would just get a baked potato with beans and cheese. Yeah. So in terms of nutrition, you're looking at maybe 600 calories, yeah. a decent carb source, a decent protein source, one of your five a day. Yeah. It's not costing you a penny, no preparation needed. So it's fairly pretty, filling as well. Yeah, very filling, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's comes down to that kind of making a smart choice because there's yeah. probably other less Yeah, the main meals are generally options. not very nutritious. What kind of things are we um, talking? It could be anything. So it could be like macaroni cheese, lasagna, or it could be chicken fajitas. Just a wide variety. So yeah. some are obviously healthier than others, but it's it's quite mixed. And I think depending on what your goal is at the time, whether that's fat loss, maintenance, or muscle gain, weight gain within that, it's probably easier to be more flexible. But at the same time, one of the big things for me is finding foods that I actually quite like to eat that yeah. are accessible mm-hmm. a lot. I know what's in them roughly for my if I'm tracking my calorie yeah. goal, which more often than I am, and it's going to meet those goals, but also keep me full as well, because I want to perform at work. I don't want to be thinking about yeah, where's the food. Yeah, coming from. Um, yeah. So that's that's interesting with regards to utilising the free source that's there and kind of making that that choice where you, nine times out of ten, like you say, yeah, you're with having... The, with the baked potato, you obviously, it's quite easy to estimate nutrition. Yeah. Whereas if you took a hot meal it's harder to tell exactly what nutrition the nutrition would be. And we yeah. all know that knowing how many calories you're taking is quite an important part of setting up a nutrition plan. Yeah. Rather than just food sources. As a as a as a bit of an add-on to that, Johnny and I are both proponents of flexible dieting through calorie tracking. Now macronutrient tracking is important within that, so knowing what protein intake you're getting, but we're fairly flexible outside of that in terms of hitting a calorie and a protein goal, your kind of minimum requirements. Yeah. And then from there, the fats and carbs will fall as they may. More often than not, it's probably higher carb because the style of training that we do probably lends itself yeah. to... Normally, like you eat food as well, having more carbs and, and less fat as well. Yeah. You feel like. Well, exactly. With the potato, you're getting quite a low-fat carbohydrate source. Yeah. 
and then so similar beans as well, carbon, protein, low fat. Exactly that, exactly that. So that, that kind of touches on your nutrition principles and your training principles and the change from that uni lifestyle where there's lots of time, less stress for most of the year, whereas you're now going into an environment where you're working a, a long number of hours, a structured number of hours, there's study on top of that yeah. several nights a week. You're still managing your training, but you're reducing the frequency. Yeah. What does it look like in terms of things like if you've got a, an occasion coming up where you want to be leaner for? Do you have to be stricter? What are the kind of things that you start to introduce and think about in that respect? Now, we've spoken there about calorie counting. I know, you, you know you're well-versed in that. Yeah. What does that look like when you've got a holiday booked? Let's maybe talk about some of the examples that we've been on. Um, so in, in recent years, I've always stayed in relatively good shape. So I've never been that far away from being in in really good shape yep so it's normally the case of putting aside six to eight weeks to aim to drop some body fat okay and obviously the main the first thing you would do in terms of dropping body fat would be to drop to drop calories yeah so on the assumption that before dieting i'd be eating maintenance or slightly above yeah i would first drop calories by about 500 yep. just to get you into a relatively big deficit that would lose kind of a pound or maybe a bit more a week at the start yeah um so across and, maybe six to eight weeks you'd maybe lose you try and stay within striking distance yeah so you'd maybe lose 10 pounds over the course of six to eight weeks yeah and that wouldn't be a really severe diet you could probably go a bit and that, a bit faster if you wanted to if somebody had let themselves um gain a little bit more or maybe they're they've never done a cut before and they didn't realize how much they had to lose yeah probably do a little bit more than that can yeah so I was in a surplus from started training at 15, weighed maybe 60 kilos. Yeah. Was in a surplus consistently until probably 20 or 21. Yeah, that's crazy. Got up to nine, about 90, 93. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't think I was that, that fat. Yeah. And then when you start cutting and you get down to 80 kilos and you realize I'm still not shredded. Yeah. And then you look back at photos of when you're 93 and you realize you were a lot faster than you thought yeah. when you start losing the weight. So for people that have never dieted, it, it's shocking how much weight you need to lose to get it. To look the way that you think that you want to look. Yeah, of course. I think that's quite funny and that's a really good point to touch on. I think we've, body dysmorphia is hugely prevalent. I know Johnny and I have chatted about this before offline. Yeah. And that point is really key when Johnny's saying that he's done it so from the age of 21, you've done a few cuts now, haven't you? Yeah, I've probably done, I did one really long, slow one over the course of probably nine months. Right, I okay. lost about 10 kilos. Right, okay. But that was more a case of being a skinny kid and having body dysmorphia and not wanting to lose weight. Mm. So that's why I decided to lose weight really, really slowly. Yep. But in hindsight, that was a bit of a waste of time dragging the diet out for that long. And then since then, I've done probably three or four mini cuts of around three to four weeks each just to kind of tidy up and yeah. then probably two big biggish cuts of eight to ten weeks to get pretty, pretty for a holiday. yeah for a holiday yeah okay that that sounds good so you know i've been on a couple of holidays now one of those was ibiza in 2018 and yeah. most fitness lads that are going to ibiza know that they want to turn up and look 
decent, yeah, don't they? they yeah. You want you want to go to the Ocean Beach. You want to enter the you Ocean Beach Classic. <laughs> exactly. I think everyone knows that you want to turn up in, in good shape to that, and and kind of show off the, the hard work that you've you've had as much for your Instagram and social media, but also for yourself. And you leaving yourself enough time to do that alongside your work. So you'd been working for about seven months by the time you were probably... Yeah, so that would have been June 2018. Yeah, that's right. So I started in September 2017, so just, on, just under a year. Yeah. So you, you, just under a year, you've been working full-time, you've, you've got this holiday coming up. It's probably the, f- probably the first holiday we really, really wanted to be in the best possible shape, probably the leanest you've got. Yeah. And you said, I need this amount of time, and you worked back to calculate that, I suspect? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was probably the busiest period I've ever had in terms of work and, and revision as well. Yep. So obviously balancing that with getting in shape was, was pretty difficult. Yep. Um, I think I was probably about 83 kilos before I started dieting. And then the night before I was about 77 or 78, which is what I thought I would need to get to to look a certain way. Yeah, the way you wanted to. So I'd look at that and go, I need to lose five or six kilos, which is 12, 13 pounds yeah. at a rate of one pound a week or just over. I need to diet for 10 weeks or a, a, little, a little bit more. Yeah. So you obviously look at the date you're going on holiday, trace back 10 weeks and, and that's when you need to start dropping, dropping calories. I think for, for anyone that's booking their summer holiday now, COVID-19 dependent or even holidays later on in the year, that's a really valuable insight into somebody looking at what their goal is going to look like. And especially if you do not have a personal trainer, an online coach that's supporting you through that and you're self-coached, that's a way to work around it. But even if you do have a coach, feeding into them that that's what you think is is reasonable because there's a lot of good coaches out there, but there's some that maybe you need to give them a bit of a steer to, to, yeah. to, to put that in place. And that sounds like a really logical way to do that. I'm glad Johnny's shared that today. And ultimately that's how it worked. Did you have any weeks where you had like a buffer zone? I know your adherence to plan is quite good, but with all that stress going on and maybe busier weeks, did you leave yourself a buffer zone where if there was a week that didn't go to plan, like what would that look like? I think on the whole, I was pretty, pretty on point with things. I don't remember any any weeks of of poor adherence or cheat days or cheat meals or anything. Yeah. I did aim to get into the particular shape about two weeks before yeah. Ibiza, but mainly not for a buffer really, but for to increase calories two weeks before to kind of fill out and feel a bit better before going. Yeah. Which also did act as a kind of buffer. Because you know, you knew if you're a week or two behind schedule, you still had that. Of course, you just have less time to to refeed yourself before before going away. Yeah, absolutely. Because you were quite an experienced dieter going into that, there's probably less need for you to have the buffer. Yeah, week. agreed. Um, so yeah, the first time I got pretty lean would have been the summer of 2017, so the year before we went to Ibiza. Yeah, obviously would have learned quite a bit from that, and as you say, didn't really need to build in too much room for error yeah whereas if you've never got really lean before you don't know exactly how much you need to lose yep so it's always good to kind of decide when you think you need to start and then maybe start two to four weeks earlier yeah because you can always maintain that shape for a couple of weeks 
of course. If you want, to. it's a lot easier to maintain where you are oh, than to sure. continue to try and dig another pound or two off when yeah. you're when you're already yeah. at the leanest you've ever been potentially. The same goes with um, muscle mass as well, which you kind of touched on earlier. That probably built most of my muscle through school and then years one and two of university. Yeah. So if training frequency drops a bit in third year, fourth year, and then as you start working, you can still hold on to to muscle quite easily. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's easier to hold on to muscle than it is to build it. Yeah. It's actually quite hard to lose muscle unless you completely yeah. detrain or neglect your nutrition to a really big extent. Yeah. And I think that's that's a that's a good kind of close to the section where we're talking about leaving enough time for yeah. for getting in shape, particularly managing the stresses. Where we're where we're talking about reducing calorie calories and your training frequency the other part that everyone always wants to know about is cardio and expenditure so i'll use the term expenditure because you don't always have to do cardio cardio maybe helps in terms of speeding up the process and not yeah. giving you a bigger buffer but where you've already got a lot of demands on your time weight training comes first yeah, I, would, of course. I, I guess does does for you as well yeah. what did things like expenditure and cardio look like for yourself Johnny to get in in, in yeah. shape so I'm, I'm probably quite lucky in the sense that my maintenance is really high yeah which I think is a combination of being actually skinny kids building quite a lot of muscle and spending a lot of time in a surplus yeah so just now my maintenance is probably without exercise, like 3,200, 3,300. So a lot of food yeah. to naturally stay where your body weight and muscle mass currently is. Yeah, and that's without taking into account like walking, cardio, weights. So you're probably looking at high threes, possibly even four on some days. Yeah. So when dieting, without doing cardio, I never really got below probably 2,800 calories. Yeah. Which would have been a... Still a sizable deficit for me and quite a lot of food. Yeah. So I actually didn't really do any cardio at all for that diet. Yeah. Um, if my maintenance was 500 calories lower, I might have added in three or 400 calories of, of cardio just to help me eat some more food. Yeah. But I wasn't eating so little that I was, I was hungry, so I didn't feel the need to do cardio to allow me to eat more. Yeah. Um, also, I could have added in cardio to speed up the deficit, but I would have rather just eaten less, less food. Yep. Just because my maintenance was, was so high. Still high. So, very similar to myself, my approach as well. I'm, I'm quite, quote unquote, lucky in that respect. But I guess the luck's maybe earned from how long yes. we've spent training. Yes. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people listening to this will know that they need to include some cardio because they don't want their food getting down to, if you're a, a fairly sized male you don't want to be eating 1800 1900 for very long so you probably want to include some cardio and some some movement as well with your location uh, for your flat compared to your office you've not got a massive commute but do you get a wee bit of movement around when you're going like to the gym and things like that so yeah so at the time i'm training at exercise for less so the office would be a five minute walk so you're looking at 10 minutes of walking to and from work and then exercise for less was maybe a 15 minute walk yeah so that's another 30 minutes of walking yeah so without trying to do 40 minutes of walking which is maybe five thousand steps yeah so, so you are moving yeah so occasionally i would 
extend the walk to the gym by going a different route to get closer to 10,000 steps just to kind of burn some some more calories in an easy and like relaxing way nothing yeah. too strenuous which is probably quite important if you're training four to six days a week and you're in a deficit as well yeah I think you see a lot of people really fog themselves in cardio machines and while that's a good way to allow yourself to have more food it can sometimes impact on your weight training and the yeah, ability to maintain sure. your muscle yeah. mass and I think when you see, and I'll make sure that I share um, probably a photo alongside this, that the shape that Johnny gets into, he holds on to the muscle that he's got through still trying to progress his weight training, try and get stronger and, yeah. or, or at least maintain the movements. And that low impact movement that he's getting of a few thousand steps is, is increasing the amount of food he needs, but it's not hurting the, yeah. the strength training. I think people would be shocked to know how much walking can increase your maintenance. Like, yeah. I think the average person, if they walked an extra mile, would burn about an extra 100 calories. Per day? Yeah. yeah. So if you did, say, an hour walk, walk three miles, you're probably burning 300 calories, which might be the same as you burn in a weight session or in a 20-minute bout on a treadmill. Yeah. Which, in my eyes, I'd much rather do an hour walk, which is relaxing potentially enjoyable and yeah. not very strenuous as yeah. well yeah great point that that i think is a good way for us to close off on on expenditure i think what we'll do is we'll revisit the nutrition aspect but more from an office-based worker perspective yeah. so we've spoken about the the canteen and the kind of 600 calories with the decent carb source and protein source that you're having on a on a typical day, how are you working towards your protein goal working in an office? Because I get a lot of people on Instagram, they'll say things like, oh, like I can have protein at lunch with my meal that I bring in, but what do I snack on throughout the day to get my protein in? What do I have for breakfast to get my protein? Yeah. And we can also touch on like, what do I do about things like Fat Friday or yeah. bake sales or charity days or even just your boss wanting to bring in food for everyone. What does that look like within within your office in terms of your structure to hit a protein target? And it's not like your protein target is quite high as well, isn't it? Yeah, I was probably aiming for around one pound per one gram per pound of body weight. Yeah, a little bit less. So between 100, maybe one hundred and sixty and one hundred and eighty grams would have been what I was aiming for. Yeah. Um, so for breakfast i would maybe have for example scrambled eggs on toast and a bit of fruit yeah. would be one breakfast another could be some sort of relatively healthy cereal like wheatabix with a banana and a protein bar and by healthy you mean yeah obviously very, high, very, very high, subjective term, high, high fiber yeah high fiber and lowest sugar so like bran fleets wheatabix whatever and but, what's that with it like for, for I, I know why you're doing that. I certainly know why you're doing that. But what, what's, what's leading to you having that yeah. in the morning rather than, yeah. say, a bowl of uh, Frosties or yeah. cornflakes or Cocoa Pops? Yeah, so in reality, if you swap the healthy cereal for an unhealthy cereal, assuming you ate the same quantity of those two cereals, the effects on your physique would be almost identical. Yeah. The main difference is the healthier cereals got higher fibre and lower sugar, which keeps you fuller for longer so yeah. you're less likely to you're going to be less hungry and you're obviously less likely to eat additional foods and 
unhealthy or food as well. Yeah, huge point because I think everyone knows that feeling where breakfast seems hours ago. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock, you're sat at your desk and you're thinking, yeah. probably do with something to eat now yeah, yeah, <laughs> before, yeah. before my lunch. If you end up in that situation, what kind of things are you turning to at, at your desk? Um, my office is pretty good in terms of you, you can snack as long as your work's getting done. I mean, some people snack all day long, but for me, yeah, it's yeah. In terms of, of keeping calories down is the goal, and something you struggle with probably fruit and protein bars would be my two yeah. on the go snacks, in a sense that they're relatively low calorie, relatively low fat, relatively healthy subjective yep. term and obviously a good protein hit from protein bars working towards that target and there's so many now that taste good as well that it's not oh, a yeah. case of yeah it's not a case of uh, yeah. brutally stuffing it down yeah. your throat like yeah. it was when we first uh, yeah. started buying protein in terms bars. of um, other protein sources for on the go i've not really got a huge amount that i can suggest yeah if you're, if you're not a fan of protein bars i don't know if you've, you've got any that you like beef jerky or cold meats or beef jerky is okay um it's one of those ones where, at the time recording, COVID-19 sweeping the UK, so it's one of these things that you probably want to stock up on for, yeah. for, for at the moment. Yeah. But cold meats is great if you've, even just a pack of ham from the supermarket, you'd be surprised at how, like, it's, and it's quite tasty as well. Yeah. Um, I know some people that do snack on that. I know individuals that don't like protein shakes, but I've always been okay with them. And there's now other options that are like, lactose-free or dairy-free ones. So like kind of like the clear way from my protein, which is basically like a juice. I know a lot of people can sit and drink that and that gets them 20, 30 grams of protein. And ultimately we know that when it comes to snacks, if they're protein-based, it's the most satiating of macronutrients. So you're less likely to, like, I think the, the comparison I would always chat about is you could have like 200 calories of like squares bars. Yeah, uh, like Rice Krispies Squares bars. Now they taste fucking great, yeah. but you're not going to be full. Whereas you could have a 200 calorie six layer bar from my protein or grenade carb killer, whatever you choose yeah. to have. And yeah. so you add up a bit of fruit like that apple and a protein bar. It's relatively filling for a snack. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe 250, 300 calories. Yeah, exactly that. So I think that's I think that's a a, a good point. With your with your training, then I know you've never been a morning trainer. You Not tend to train after work. Yeah, always um, half five, pretty much. Get in from work, have something relatively small to eat, and then go and train. Because I think that was one of the things I wanted to ask you. you. You sometimes see people have lunch at say half twelve, one o'clock, and then it's time to train at five five thirty, mm-hmm. and they're not feeling themselves. Yeah. And they're saying, I wonder why that session was rubbish. Or, I've not enough calories to do that, but you probably would say, I don't know, like, what would be the priority for you in terms of fueling yourself before that session? What does that look like? Yeah, if I'm, if I'm training at half five and I hadn't eaten since half 12 at lunch, it would not be, not be a good session. Yeah. So probably 99 sessions out of 100 that happened after work, I'd be eating immediately after work and then, and then training. In terms of that meal, you'd be looking at like it might be a chicken salad sandwich or like a small portion of a dinner. So like a small portion of pasta bolognese or a small portion of even like chicken rice and veg. Yeah. Which 
is obviously a, quite quite a large meal, so you need to take into account are you feeling able to train straight after that? To obviously, film. you need to take into account you want it to be relatively well digested. So Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. I would always say that depending on how you like to train, whether you like to train really full or you like to train on an emptier stomach, even those that like to train on an empty stomach, not having eaten since lunchtime when training yeah. after work is a recipe for really poor performance or not poor performance, but not optimal performance for what you could probably produce. I don't go home after work. I have something at just towards the end of the day in the office to try and feel me. And again, that's very similar to yourself. Maybe not a, a kind of a hot meal like that. Maybe, maybe something like a sandwich, but maybe something like uh, oats and protein pot or uh, in, a, in a Tupperware oats and whey. Uh, bagel and banana with some sort of protein source, something to kind of fuel the training similar to yourself. Yeah. I'm somebody that likes to maybe have that digest for about an hour, an hour and a half. So I'll just snack on that at my desk. And I know that that's putting me in a position where I'm going to fuel my training. And at 5.15, 5.30, whenever I manage to get to the gym after the office, I'm in a position to have a, have a, have a good performance. And I think that was, I'm glad yeah. that we've, 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 yeah. we've covered that point. I think I'm, um, Quite rare in a sense that I could eat a meal that's 600-800 calories and yeah. train like 30 minutes later and feel absolutely fine. Oh, I'd die. Perhaps, <laughs> it's probably a combination of, there's probably genetics involved, but also my training style is probably not as high volume or short rest as you. Yep. And probably less taxing on the cardiovascular system. Yeah. So, you probably don't need to digest for Yeah, you probably long. rest a little bit longer, don't you? And maybe like more rep ranges, things like yeah. that, less sets. And um, basic principles are still there in terms of progressive overload and yeah. weights, but it's it's maybe a wee bit more um uh, like in short short bursts of intensity. Yeah. Yeah. Now one of one of the big areas for any office worker, particularly when you've got uh a diet, uh, a goal in mind is that temptation that we get within the office. Yeah. Now year round that's there, but when summer's coming up, you've got this goal of a holiday. It probably gets even, even, even harder, doesn't it? And yeah. what what's that like in your office? And I'd be interested to know like what your kind of tactics or yeah. approaches are to not letting that sabotage you. Yeah. Um, I'd say the size of. As in the amount of treats that are going around the office does vary a lot throughout the year. There's periods where there's donuts everywhere you look, and then there's periods where there's there's not much. So yeah. just now when I'm in a surplus or maintenance and I've got a lot of calories to eat, it's not really that much of an issue. I can have a few treats here and there, and it's I've still got plenty of calories to play with. But yeah. during a period of dieting, it's, it's obviously quite difficult. But my approach in those situations would be just not not to have any at all yeah. because I've got quite a sweet tooth and if I have one, it's much more difficult to resist the second one than yeah. it is to resist the first one. Yeah. So I would just get it in your mind that it's a it's a black black zone. Yeah. Just no go at all. Yeah, agreed. I think there's a lot of chat about no banned foods and no dirty foods and no no like shaming foods. But when your goal's quite serious, there are foods that they're not bad and they're not evil and they're not dirty, but they are going to cause you some yeah, they challenges. Can set, they can set you off. 
set you off and even particularly for lighter males or smaller females the calorie goal that you've got three four hundred calories in a donut or a yes yeah, or a treat is yeah. it's going to make it really difficult for you to stay in that deficit yeah. and i think that's a that's a big point i think drawing that line where you just have to be firm and polite to your colleagues that it's not something you want to have at that time yeah and you will get maybe a bit of a bit of a ribbing yeah i think you and i probably get it less because people know we're into our fitness yeah i'm probably quite lucky in the sense that the etiquette in my office is if someone brings in cakes, they put it in a communal area and say, right, if okay. you want some, go and help yourself. Whereas okay. if someone, it seems like this is the case in your office, that someone's buying cakes or biscuits and then bringing them around and offering them to people, which obviously yeah. is more difficult because, say it's someone's birthday and they're offering yeah. a birthday cake, you might feel obliged to have some. Yeah, more so than if it's just there to, to help yourself. Yeah, I think so. I guess that's, that's, that's the really difficult one where, people are almost looking at you to take part and, and be involved. And that's where it's probably similar to other topics that we'll probably talk about another day where you don't always need to accept the, the drink. You don't always need to have a drink on yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, it's quite similar to that where sometimes you just need to be that little bit firm yeah. and, and just be, be, be happy with the choice you made as well. If ultimately you, that, that hit of sugar or, that treat is really important to you, then if it becomes more of a priority than your diet at that, at that moment in time, then that's, that, then that's, then that's fine as long yeah. as you're happy with that. Yeah. But it's those that have an eight-week diet and two of the weeks are wiped out because the Friday they had three donuts each time yeah. and they've, they're out of their deficit and they don't lose the fact that they want to. Yeah. That's the people that this is kind of yeah. speaking to because we want, we want you to want you to succeed rather than end yeah. up in a position where that's knocked you off track. So like, I think that's, that's helpful to summarize. It's probably about that firm, yeah. firm conviction that you've got to say that no, at this time it's, it's yeah. not as important to me to have that treat yeah. as it is to diet. I think a lot of people will have heard of the 80, 20 principle, which yeah. essentially says that 80% of your nutrition should come from whole healthy nutritious foods and 20% can come from whatever you want essentially. It's probably not that important from a body composition point of view, but more of an adherence point of view. Because if you're eating 100% clean, healthy foods, day in, day, day out, eventually you're not going to be able to stick to that. Yeah. So if you're having 3,000 calories a day, 20% of that would be 600. Yeah. So say you're assigning 600 calories to unhealthy foods, you know that if the donut comes around, yeah, you can have that, but it just means what you plan to have later on is, is off the cars now. And it might change. Yeah. That's really important because you're saying somebody there that's eating 3,000 calories. It's quite high. Which is high, high, isn't it? Yeah. Most people are probably dieting on, let's say for a male, 2,400, 2,300. Yeah. Females, sub 2,000 most of the time yeah. towards the end of the diet, especially it's probably sub 1,500 yeah. sometimes depending on how lean they're getting. Percentage wise, 20% of a, 1500 calorie diet. Yeah, you're looking at 300 calories. Exactly. And and you're hungry. Yeah. So 300 calories going in a donut, you're not even going to, that's not even going to touch the sides. Yeah. So that's where it comes down to things like when you're talking about the higher fiber choices for your cereal and things yeah. like that, where you can probably still have the cereal, but the choice has to be a yeah. bit different as well. Um, no, I think that's, that's, that's really interesting. And 
I guess when we're talking about willpower, a bit of discipline there and that kind of firm aspect, what, what does that mean from a flexibility perspective though? So is it other times of the year that you're being more flexible and you're just allowing it to, to be more flexible and you just kind of drop the hammer for these diets for holidays or what does um, it look like? I'd say on a, on a day-to-day basis, I'm quite flexible in terms of nutrition and training. Yeah. But over the week, I'm more flexible in a sense that, say I need to eat 3,500 calories per day. If I've gone over a few hundred one day, I can just go a few hundred under another day. Yeah. Or if my goal is to train four days a week and I plan to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, if I'm going out on Friday night and I'm going to be hungover on Saturday, I might change that Saturday session to Sunday. Yeah. Just so that way I'm still getting all the sessions in. I'm changing the schedule a little bit, but it's it's more suitable to what I'm what I'm doing that week outside of outside of the gym. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the last one of the last points that we'll touch on when it comes to getting in shape was one that you mentioned there. If you were going out on the Friday night and you were hungover, obviously that impacts the training for the rest of the week. With these kind of six, ten, eight-week diets before holidays, what does alcohol look like, Johnny? Um, so, yeah, lo- longer-term periods when I'm not dieting, I'm obviously not as strict as periods when I am dieting. So yeah. in terms of nutrition, you'd be looking at calories and protein. Obviously, calories quite high if you're not dieting. And then periods of dieting, you're looking at mainly still calories and protein, but obviously less calories and keep a closer eye on where carbs and fats fall because you're more interested in keeping yourself full yeah and also need to be a bit more careful with your nutrition for the sense of performing in the gym since you're eating less total total food yeah and obviously alcohol feeds into your calorie intake quite heavily as well so obviously alcohol is significantly reduced for me while dieting so during that 10 or 12 week diet fried beef I probably drank maybe twice once or twice yeah whereas in periods where I've been in a surplus sometimes as much as once a week yeah but also periods of absence just because I've not been interested in, in drinking yeah rather than as well. thing. yeah yeah that's that's really interesting so I think hopefully by now you'll have seen so many posts on Instagram where you can include a, a, a few, a few, a few vodkas. You can make smarter choice for your drinks, and the calorie intake can be lower. But ultimately, when it comes to a kind of shorter cut for a holiday, sometimes a period of absence is really important. Or yeah. on those one or two occasions, you've probably it's been those smart choices, and it's been yeah, of course. it's been that there's not been the takeaway at the end of the night. There's yeah. not been the hungover yeah. food the next day. Yeah, I'd be looking ahead and saying. I want to get drunk, that's going to require a thousand calories of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try and, well, I'm going to eat a thousand calories less food. Yeah. Which your calories are already restricted because you're dieting. So taking yeah. another thousand away for alcohol puts you at quite a low, yeah, a low number to play with, which means you need to be even wiser with when you're eating your meals and what you're eating. Yeah. So you, you generally, lower carbs and maybe lower fats a bit but make sure you're still getting in adequate protein so on a day you're having alcohol there's no room for 
for the donut or for the no. the cake and not much else if no. your food isn't as high as yours is yeah that's that that's that's interesting and I don't think anyone and I've done that before as well would ever profess that that's a healthy approach but sometimes if you do still want the night out and like a kind of a bigger night out where you're getting drunk within that cutting period you have to just go with it don't you yeah, you just have to you just have to do that or you do effectively put a block on your fat loss for that week yeah. um, and struggle with that hopefully that's been a really interesting insight to how Johnny as an individual has worked in this space where he's focused on his career he's wanting to become a chartered accountant he's working towards his exams he's got his 9-5 on, on top of that he's got his important training goals so he's training three, four, five days a week as a minimum and he's prioritising that. And then when there's been periods where he really wants to drop the hammer and get in shape, he's provided you with a few of the strategies and tools that he puts in place to to get to that position. Is there anything else you'd want to cover on that, Johnny, that you think you've had to consider? I mean, what one of the things that I was maybe going to ask as a, as a as kind of final one is how has fitness contributed to your, so far, pretty successful career within the accountancy firm that you work yeah. for. We, we don't need to tell the, uh, the listeners about all the achievements you've had, but you've passed your exams well and you've, 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 your ratings and your gradings from work have been excellent. Like, how has fitness contributed towards that, in your opinion? Uh, I definitely do think there's a lot, of, a lot of things gained from fitness that can be applied to other, other areas. Obviously, the main thing with fitness is it doesn't take any skill or ability. It's all just consistency. Yeah. You just need a, a low level amount of knowledge and then it's just a case of being consistent with nutrition and training, which in work is pretty similar in a sense that yeah. you don't need to be an absolute genius. You just need to be willing to put in a bit of effort. And I think that's probably quite obvious from my university grades to my grades and my professional exams. Yeah. There's been a huge increase in how well I've performed in these exams compared to university. And obviously I'm not naturally more intelligent than I was then. I've no. just, just been applying myself better. And I think a large part of that is the structure I've gained from, from fitness. Yeah. Obviously a lot, of, a lot of what I've done in fitness, I've trained specific times at specific days and applying that to studying, I think really helps. Yeah, the fact changes. that before the week starts, you know, Tuesday and Thursday, five to seven after work, I'm revising. And likewise, yeah. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, our training, training day is yeah. non-negotiable. Whereas if you just said to yourself, I'm going to do four hours of revision this week, if you've not planned when you're going to do that, it's more likely that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And one of the main reasons that I started this podcast is to speak to people like Johnny who are in this space, like the vast majority of the population were not fitness professionals. Mm. And... Hopefully that's been a been a really valuable insight. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself, Johnny. Yeah, good. Johnny's podcast debut, and yeah. uh, th- there might be an opportunity to get Johnny back on to speak about some other topics again in future, where we can we can delve a little bit deeper. But massive thank you to everyone that's tuned in. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please give me some feedback. Let me know what you think, and if you can, please subscribe, share it with a friend, share it your Instagram story, and I look forward to hearing from you all soon. Thank you very much.